Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Judges, chapter 13. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. God says, I don't want you to do anything that's going to possibly stumble you. Grapes, raisins, vineyards, none of these things, because you know how we like to justify things. And if we want to have a little wine, well, God, I just happened to be in the vineyard and I crushed some grapes. And before you know, I let it ferment. And before you know it, God, I was drunk. I don't know how it happened. (laughs) And see, God knows that. And so God says, no, stay away from everything. Don't even tempt yourself with it. Don't get near it. Don't know near beer. Which, what is up with near beer anyway? I, I've heard of it. I haven't tasted it. All right. But, you know, none of that. God does not want nothing. You see, God is saying when you're in the place, basically God's saying this. When you're in the place of dedication and consecration, I don't want you to be confused because of intoxication. Don't get drunk. Don't have anything like that because you're a Nazarite. Samson will be a Nazarite. And notice this, because some people in the Bible were Nazarites for a certain period of time. Six months was generally the time frame. Six months to a year. Not Samson. He was a Nazarite. Did you get that? From his mother's womb until when? Till he died. God called him. From his mother's womb until he died. And here spiritually, uh, the same is true for us. And it really doesn't have anything to do with cutting your hair and, and, and drinking strong drink and, and all which, you know, I don't recommend y'all be getting drunk. You, you understand? Say amen. But, but, but what we are to do is we're to be separated ones. We are to be consecrated. We are to be devoted And we are to avoid anything that's going to cause a stumbling block or cause anything that's going to keep us separate from God, whatever it might be. So in many respects, we too are called to be Nazarites from the day we are born again until the day we die. Amen, saints? And that's important for you to understand. Look, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with drinking alcohol. If you drink wine with dinner, you know, there's some cultures I've traveled around the world. I know. I remember some years ago I was in Budapest and we were in a hotel lobby. and There's a bunch of pastors and a couple Calvary Chapel pastors. And a lady came around with the wine bottle because in Hungary people drink wine like they drink water. I mean, really. Matter of fact, you're kind of strange if you don't drink wine. So we're sitting around with a bunch of pastors. A lady comes around with a wine bottle and she says, would you like a glass of wine? And I'm sitting, you know, I'm just fresh out of America, you know what I mean? And I'm just like, uh, no, none for me, thank you. You know, all the other pastors were saying, fill her up. I was like, 
what's up with you guys? I mean, and we're sitting there like, Jesus loves the world and studying Greek and all this. And then they're like, I'm like, this is weird, dude, because I'm not used to that. Because I'm, I'm used to, hey, in this country, as a pastor, it can be a stumbling block if you drink and, and those kinds of things. And, you know, what you do in your house with your family and your wife, that's between you and the Lord. But I'm just saying we need to be considerate to one another, and we need to be considerate and most certainly honor the call of God in our lives and be, um, and be above reproach. And be above reproach. I don't have any problem with wine, but if I was sitting in a, in, a, in, a, in a restaurant with my wife and, you know, somewhere here in the triangle and, you know, nowadays I got to be on my best behavior because a lot of people know me now. So it, it used to be I could do what I wanted, but now I've got to, you know, I, now I've got to be like all Christian. And so, you know, I got to be a pastor. And so, you know, if I'm out and, you know, and I'm, I'm having dinner with my wife and somebody walks up and says, hey, Pastor Rodney, you know, I got a glass of wine there, you know, bottle Ripple or something, you know. And uh, y'all don't go to those kind of restaurants, I know, but, you know, it's where we go, they serve Ripple. I mean, what do you want me to tell you? And uh, Moonshine and, and, and uh, you know, Boone's Farm and all, all them cheap ones. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You're in church, I know, but are y'all so spiritual? Y'all say, we don't know anything about that, Pastor. Okay. And, uh, but, you know, be a good witness and be above reproach, and, and that's the important thing here. So in many respects, we are Nazarites also. Notice in verse 8, then Manoah, he prayed to the Lord and, and said, Oh, my Lord, please let the man of God whom you sent come to us again. And this is fascinating. And teach us what we shall do for the child who will be born. Would you underline that? And God listened to the voice of Manoah, and the angel of God came to the woman again as she was sitting in the field. But Manoah, her husband, was not with her. And then the woman ran in haste and told her husband and said to him, Honey, look, the man who came to me the other day has just now appeared to me again. So Manoah arose and he followed his wife. And when he came to the man, he said to him, Are you the man who spoke this to, spoke to this woman? And he said, I am. Isn't that great? Uh, Christophany, I think we talked about, an appearance of Jesus in the Old Testament. And here this angel of the Lord, it was, it was an exodus. Moses said, God, who shall I say sent me? And he said, what saints? I am that I am. And let me tell you something. That is why they wanted to kill Jesus. Oh, by the way, they wanted to kill Jesus because he claimed to be the great I am. And people, oh, I'm God. Jesus never claimed to be God. Yeah, he did. Over and over and over and over and over again. And this is why they wanted to kill him, because he claimed to be the I am. And no one, bar no one, would ever dare, no Jew would ever dare speak from his lips, I am. They wouldn't even say it. And Jesus, over and over, he says, I am the good shepherd. I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. Mary, Martha, I am the resurrection and the life, and he who believes in me shall never die. Over and over and over and over and over and over and over again, he would say, I am. Here we have this angel of the Lord saying, he's the I am. Amen, saints? 
boy, that I could preach all night on that, but I got to move on. And look at verse 12. So Manoah said, now, now let your words come to pass. What will be the boy's rule of life and his work? Underline that. So the angel of the Lord said to Manoah, of all that I said to the woman, let her be careful. These are fascinating verses. I'll tell you about it in just a second. Of all that I said to the woman, let her be careful. She may not eat anything that comes from a vine, nor may she drink wine or a similar drink, nor eat anything unclean. All that I've commanded her, let her observe. Stop right there. Give me your attention. Notice when Manoah's wife told him all that happened, it's very possible that Manoah didn't believe his wife or Manoah didn't really listen to his wife. Now, I, I hate it when this happens, when I have to preach to myself. I hate it when that happens, but it is true. It is true. Okay, ladies, here you go. Women are more spiritual than men. There, I said it. I got it out. Didn't know how I was going to do it today, but I did. Thank you, Lord. That's very, very true. Women, all the ladies are like, that's right. That's what I've been telling him. He's not listening to me. <laughs> ladies are like, yeah, I'm liking this already. I'm liking this. Women generally, you know, fellas, let me just say, women generally are more spiritual and have a spiritual sensitivity that men generally do not have. And, and, and women are generally the ones really hearing from the Lord, and oftentimes the fellows are clueless. You see, men, we tend to be more logical. And don't misunderstand me, I don't think there's anything wrong with this, but, I, but we tend to be a little more logical. We tend to be um, ones who, who, who would look to reason, we tend to be ones who would look to, you know, well, does this make sense? That kind of thing. Where women generally are just very spiritual. I mean, statistically, it's true. And I've read this before. Statistically, more women come to church without their husbands than husbands without their wives. Women are usually the ones who find the church that the family are going to go to. I know that as a pastor. I meet women all the time here. And they come up, hey, Pastor Rodney, how you doing? Been listening to your radio and, you know. Um, I got to go home and tell my husband what a wonderful service it was. It, it, it generally happens that way. Women, and why is it that women's Bible studies are always larger than men's? Fellas, we got to catch up. I mean, women's Bible studies, women are more likely to be volunteering and serving in the church. You see, men generally are more reasonable, more Logical Things have to make sense. But the truth is, oftentimes, God does things that are not reasonable, that are not logical, and that do not make sense. That's the God we serve. We call that faith. Women have a sensitivity and a receptivity to spiritual things. I remember years ago, early in my ministry, I was serving the Lord. And, you know, God's always blessed our ministries that we've been involved in. And, you know, I was doing all kinds of stuff. And, Recording an album and all kinds of stuff. And Elvira used to always say, she, she always told me, she'd say, yeah, but you're really not doing what God called you to do. I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm serving God with all my heart, every fiber, who I am all day, every day. What are you talking about? I'm not doing what God called me to do. Yeah, honey, but you know what? God's got a call on your life. And I go, ah, you don't know what you're talking about, you know. 
you don't know. What do you know? I'm serving God. You know, my mom would call me up. Hey, you're not doing what God called you to do. And I'm like, ah! (laughs) And it's like, you know, they were always like telling me that they felt that I wasn't doing what God had called me to do, and I felt like I was doing what God had called me to do. But, but I, I can see now that, that God was showing them something. I mean, it, it is very true. I mean, even in my family, my wife is quicker to pray than I am. And she, I mean, don't misunderstand. I do pray, y'all, okay? All right, are you hearing me? You feeling me? Say amen. All right, y'all, like, pastor, don't pray. Ooh, honey, we got to find another church. But, I mean, you know, it's like I'll, I'll, anything, I mean, anything, anything. I, you know, I, I lose my wallet. That's happened. I lose my wallet. And, you know, men, I'm like, I might find my wallet. Where is my wallet? I'm looking everywhere, high and low for my wallet. And she'll say, honey, let's pray. Let's pray and seek the Lord and see if God, God will show us where that wallet is. I'm like, no, you pray. I got to go find my wallet. <laughs> go ahead, honey, fast, pray. Where's my, what, where, where is that thing? And she lays hands on me, and I'm, and then, okay, I'm, okay, I'm, you know, I have to pray. I mean, you, you do have to pray. So uh, she's praying, you know, Lord, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, amen. I'm looking over there, maybe I left it in there. And she's like, oh, God, lead us by your spirit. And I'm like, yeah, Lord, yeah, where is it? Maybe it's in my car, you know? And when she prays, amen, yeah, no, okay. Where is that wallet at? I mean, it just happens, it, and it, it's the truth. Women generally are more spiritual. And so, fellas, you know, we need to realize that and embrace that. And that's what I'm trying to say. We need to realize it and embrace it that God has given us women, wives, who are more spiritual oftentimes than we are in that sense. The Bible says that your wife completes you. She's a completer, not a competer. Amen, fellas? I know this is pretty convicting, but come on, work with me, all right? Your wife is a completer and not a competer. Amen, fellas? And she's there to help you and to complete you. You remember when God created Adam and he took a rib from his side and created a woman. She was created because Adam was not complete in and of himself. He was missing something. He wasn't all there physically, if you will. So God created the woman to be a completer and not a competer. When Adam stayed out very late for a few nights, Eve became upset. You're running around with another woman, she charged. You're being unreasonable, Adam responded. You're the only woman on earth. Well, the quarrel continued until Adam fell asleep, only to be awakened by someone poking him in the chest. It was Eve. What do you think you're doing, Adam demanded. Counting your ribs, said Eve. Hmm. Now, 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 look, you get it? Because maybe God took another rib out and made another woman. Okay. Now, look at verse 11. Look at verse 11, because it's pretty fascinating. What I see here in these verses is, is, is I see a parenting lesson. I see a parenting lesson. Notice in verse 11, Manoah said, are you the man that that spoke to the woman? The angel of the Lord said, I am. And then he said, let your words come to pass. What will be the boy's rule in life and his work? 
Now, in the King James, it reads, and Manoah said, now let thy words come to pass. How shall we order the child and how shall we do unto him in verse 12 in the King James Version? How shall we order the child and how shall we do unto him? In other words, he says, my wife is having a baby. That's awesome. But he's asking the angel of the Lord. Now, stay with me. He's asking the angel of the Lord. How shall we raise the child? That's what he's saying. Proverbs chapter 22, verse six says this. Train up a child. Matter of fact, is it on? Read it with me, if you will. Train up a child in the way that he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Notice it doesn't say train up a child in the way you think they should go. You see that? It doesn't say that. But train a child in the way that he should go or she should go. Now, here's Parenting 101 here. As parents or parents-to-be, many pregnant women in our fellowship, as is something in the water, everybody's pregnant, it's unbelievable. And, and, and so as parents and, and parents-to-be, we need to realize that God has made each child different and unique. I have five children. I have six grandchildren. And of my five children, no two of them are alike. If you have more than one kid, you know they're not. And it's amazing because they all come from the same mama. And it's like, how can you be so different? I mean, that's a pretty amazing thing. It's just like the genius of God. You know, how can they be so different? And yet they come from the same parents. No two kids are alike. And so my job as a parent is not to train my kids. Now, listen and listen close. It'll save us all a counseling appointment. Okay, my job as a parent is not to train my kids in the way that I think they should go. My job as a parent is to discover the way God made them and the gifts that God gave them and to take those things and lead them in the way that they should go. So then parenting is a matter of molding your children, not molding them in your way, but unfolding what God has given to them. You understand? Not molding them in the way that you think they should go, but looking at your individual children and looking at them and saying, hey, what, what, you know, what gifts do you have, Rodney Jr.? What do you do, Chanel? What do you do to the other kids? And then take those gifts and say, now how can I, as a parent, take the gifts that God has given them individually, who they are, not who you think they should be, and allow them to nurture those gifts and allow them to grow in those gifts, absolutely teaching them the word, absolutely loving them and praying for them, absolutely teaching them to pray, teaching them biblical principles, absolutely. But training up a child in the way that he should go is taking the child's gifts and what God has done in that child and steering them in the direction that God is leading them. Now, I say that because... In counseling, oftentimes what I hear and what I see is many parents are trying to raise their kids and train them up in the way that they think they should go. And I want my kid to be a doctor. You know, my kid's going to be a doctor if it kills him. And, 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 and he can't be a doctor. He, he can't because he didn't think like that. Not only that, but, but look, the boy hates blood. 
Uh, hello? What are you thinking? You're killing me. He, he doesn't like anatomy and physiology. The boy faints at the sight of blood. He faints at the sight of a cut. I mean, what are you saying? No, he probably is not going to be a doctor. But because you're so bent on making your kid what you want them to be, you're failing to train them up in the way and the gifts that God has already given them. And what that is doing is adding pressure on them that they don't need. And what you wind up with is rebellious children. Instead of saying, God, I want to raise them up in the way that you should, that you would have them to go. We need to say, God, how have you made Rodney Jr.? But Lord, how have you made Chanel? Lord, how have you made brother? How have you made Shaniqua? First name come to mind. You know, Lord, how have you made them? And then you say, Lord, help me to discover what you want to do with them. And again, yes, teach them the word. But it's so important to do that. I, I, you know, as a pastor, it's very easy. And pastors talk about this all the time. It's very easy to pressure your children into being what you want them to be or pressure your children as pastors of churches, and especially churches that are growing in fairly large churches. There's this expectation for the pastor's kids. And, and I'm not telling you this because my kids asked me to talk about it, but I think it's here in the text. It's an expectation for the pastor's kids to like go into ministry. I can't have, I, you know, I cannot tell you how many times the kids will come home, we'll be sitting around, because Wednesday night after service, we get um, chicken tenders from KFC. And uh, just thought you might want to know that. And uh, barbecue sauce, dip a little bit, you know. And uh, in the kitchen, just hanging out, hanging out, chilling. Chilling with the kids. And, you know, we're sitting in the kitchen and just kind of hanging out after service. And, oh, it was just great and blah, 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 blah. And, then, you know, and then from time to time they'll say, you know, well, so-and-so talked to me and asked me. They said, Dad, you know, they asked me, they said, um, you know, when, when you going to go into ministry like your father? Are you going to be a pastor like your dad? And it's like, now, now wait a minute. I, I, I don't know. He doesn't know. No one knows. And, and there shouldn't be that pressure for, for not only my kids, but anybody's kids to have to be what their dad is. Because, and especially, you listen, listen close, especially as it relates to ministry. Because just because God has called me to pastor, it doesn't mean that God has called my son to pastor. Now, he may have. I hope so. I'm just trying to train them up in the way that God wants them to go. And, and, so, and so often, and so often, you know, and then what happens is they got all this pressure to be, you know, what other people. And look, let me tell you, we have, I don't know, with kids, we might have 13, 1,500 people that go to this church. And with that much pressure on them, no wonder, you know, you kids get, pastors' kids get the title PK Kids. Well, no wonder. Because after a while, you're like, first of all, you know, I, I, you know my, my kids can't be who I am because it took me 40 years to get here, and, and, and it didn't happen overnight. And I don't care if you empty trash. I don't care if you work at McDonald's or Hardee's and you flip burgers. If your dad, your kid cannot be who you are at the age that they are because it took you so many years to get to where you are. 
Now, if you didn't get that, order the tape and replay it. You'll pick it up on the way home. So the pressure to be, you know, to be versus I've always said to my kids and, and, and after service, you could ask them and they would tell you, you need to be what God has called you to be. The only thing that daddy wants of you and daddy requires of you is that you love God with all your heart, mind, and soul. And, and, and you serve God with your life no matter where you serve him, no matter what you do. Don't you ever, ever, ever feel the pressure of, of, of being a pastor or being in ministry or anything like that. Don't feel that pressure because if, and if you do feel that pressure, you need to understand daddy is not putting that pressure on you. Because I love you just who you are. You don't have to change. You don't have to be like me. You see, and what happens is God just frees them up. And they can just be who God makes them. And and let me tell you, when, when God takes your life and God makes you who he's called you to be, then you just start flowing and operating through life, and life's not a big struggle. Life's a big struggle when you're trying to be somebody else. Let me tell you something. You, can't, it's, you, you need to be who you are because it's, it's hard for you to be somebody else, but it's easier for you to just be you. God made you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, O God. God created you in the womb. God knew Samuel in the womb and says, Samuel, you're going to be a Nazarite from the day you're born to the day you die. Jeremiah, I knew you in the womb. And you're fearfully and wonderfully made. Just be who you are. Don't, and don't pressure your children to be anything other than men and women who love God with all their heart, mind, and soul. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light. Let me be a salt.